Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. On this week's episode, episode 57, your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Kyle Mersh, and White Teeter, are going to be talking to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. Yeah, we are going to jump right on in to our content this week because it's why it didn't screw up, so I can't make fun of him for that intro. I feel like um, all of your intro 2.0 type stuff is always just me messing things up. So now they don't mess it up, it just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. It's, it's pretty much all that happens, yeah. Uh, you screw fine. up, I make fun of you, or Kyle does something dumb and I make fun of him. <laughs> Usually I'm not the one doing something dumb. But, I mean, that's just how it works. Except Victor has corrected me multiple times after listening to the actual podcast and saying that we haven't caught things that you said that have been blatantly dumb. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You certainly have. See, you have... You have nothing better to do, though, Mike, when we're doing this. I'm sitting here doing a lot of things while we record, so I can't call you out on it. It's really sad. See, but I've got all of our percentages for the rest of the year pulled up. You want to know a percentage about something in college football or the NFL? I can have it for you in 14 seconds. That's my job on this podcast. That is fair. That is is true. I'm I'm going to try and come up with a a percentage that you don't have available to you right now so that it takes you significantly longer. And I can point that out. (laughs) I'm master of all things relevant percentages. Fun fact. Anyway, we should start talking about stuff that's like sports stuff, like cycling football and how we played KU on... Saturday, and I mean, they won, so like that's good, that was the goal, but I don't think they played particularly well. They led a bad, uh, a below-average Kansas team. They're better than they are, have been in the past for sure, but a below-average Kansas team stick around way too long for being a home game in Jack Trice Stadium in a game that really the Cyclones couldn't lose if they were looking at uh, going to a good ball game. But I mean, the Cyclones put it out in the end, Brock Purdy now holds basically like every single season Iowa State record ever, right? Not something like that. He doesn't have touchdowns. Not touchdowns yet. I don't know. I get. Would you since would you like all the new school records that he has currently? I have those pulled up. There's like 15 of them, isn't there? Well, well, as of uh, the game against KU, he set four new school records. The season passing yards for 3,500, or yeah, 3,575 passing yards this season. Uh, total offense on the season, 3,843 total yards. The season completions at 280, as well as uh, straight games with a touchdown pass. He has 11 straight games with a touchdown pass. So those are those are all the records that he set this week against Kansas. And obviously, those numbers are bound to increase for the remainder of the season. Yes, because, I mean, K-State will be able to put up points against K-State next week, maybe, unless the weather is awful. Um, And then a bowl game, the weather definitely won't be awful. So he'll be able to put some points there. But anyway, we need to talk about – we're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk about how – that's later. Yeah, let's talk about the game. I mean, we we beat Kansas by 10 points, which you would think – means that it wasn't that big of a like it wasn't that close of a game but i mean iowa state was losing going into the fourth quarter yeah yes and well i want to talk about that fourth quarter specifically brock purry 
and his stats for the fourth quarter because he had his best quarter of the season, probably his entire collegiate career. He was 10 for 10 passing for a buck 35. He had two passing touchdowns as well as one rushing touchdown all in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but he did it against Kansas. I think the second, I think the fourth quarter against Oklahoma this year was more impressive because he did it against a team that's actually really good. His Probably. stats might not have well, been quite as good, but he did it in a game that mattered more against a team that was better, so, even if he didn't quite complete the comeback. So here's, can you pull up this statistic right now? Where does K State or Kansas's defense rank against Oklahoma's defense this season? Yeah, um, fourteen seconds. This, that's not a percentage. I said it was your master, your go-to for all things percentages. I will have that, but I'm not bound to the 14 because, seconds. Because in yeah. recent seasons, Oklahoma has had a, has had trouble trying to break the top 100 in FBS, I'm, like in the entire FBS in total defense. I'm getting there. They give yeah, up, but they still they give up more team. points in yards than any other team well, plus the game outside was, of Texas Tech. Plus the game was in... Norman versus at home, right? That makes a well, difference. Okay. Anyway. Nothing, nothing against Brock Purdy there, but at that time when the fourth quarter comeback happened, the stadium was less than half full. I mean, All true. The fans I Oklahoma that. had left, which which definitely, um, which definitely had an impact on the Cyclones. Obviously, it wasn't loud and it wasn't as um, tumultuous. Go like the the crowd wasn't as ru- ruckus. Um, so it was oh. easier to get plays called, get signals at the line, and um, create a comeback in a very diminished atmosphere. True. But also your stats is Oklahoma gives up 25.5 points per game and Kansas gives up 33.8. Okay. So your point is defeated. I, that, was, that was just a question. It wasn't really a point. I just wanted to know because Oklahoma does tend up to tend to give up a ton of yards and points against opposing teams. Yes, but then uh, Kansas is last in the conference and Oklahoma is fourth. So, also, if somebody had to write that down prediction that Iowa State's going to lead the conference and some defense stuff, they're definitely going to be wrong. But anyway, we'll deal with that at the end of the season. Should we just talk about how the defense has looked poorly recently? The defense did def- definitely has not looked great. Well, I mean, they didn't look great against Oklahoma. I mean, they looked really good against Texas, but they gave too many big plays against what is not a good Kansas offense, right? Puka Williams was able to run, uh, for had too many big holes to run those, through. Those cutback counters killed us. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a lack of contain on the weak side of all running plays, Um that occurred and Puka Williams was able to just make a few jump cuts, Le'Veon Bell-esque, and managed to pick up at least 10 to 15 yards on any given play. He ran for over 150 yards in this game. Um, and that's plus similar... he had a long plus he had a long touchdown reception in the third quarter, too. Yeah. And but that's similar. This is all stemmed from the like this is what killed us in the game against Oklahoma State the team that is ahead of us in the Big 12 Conference right now. Well, one of the teams. There, one of there the are teams. three of them. Oklahoma and Baylor also. Yeah. I mean, we have the same conference record as Oklahoma State, but they obviously have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Yep. But that has stemmed from that game. Three huge, huge big plays. of I think all three of them were over 50 yards, if not 60 yards in that game. 
We weren't able to stop uh, Chuba Chuba Hubbard as he ran all over us. And it seems to be, seems like to me that this defense is a, is a shell of what it was last season and the year before. I think, I think they certainly are. They're missing the pass, pass rush of Jaquan Bailey, I think. I think, right, quarterbacks are getting, right, Iowa State's defense relies on being able to get pressure with that three-man front, right, running that 3-3-5. It relies on getting pressure from that three-man front, and losing Jaquan Bailey has been big in not being able to uh, get that pressure from the front line. Granted, uh, what is it, Zach Peterson has done really well filling in for him, but... Um, but I think they certainly miss that pressure up front. It has hurt the the pass rush, which therefore has hurt the rest of the defense as a whole. The secondary doesn't look as good when they have to cover for longer, et cetera, et cetera. That's been a big loss for the Cyclones. Braxton Braxton Lewis was exposed this week. He gave up two touch two long or two touchdowns in coverage. Um, one against Puka Williams, um, trying to cover him out of the backfield. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, I. To me, honestly, I would like to see more of Will McDonald. He showed he showed some really nice flashes against Kansas, and I'd like to see more of him. Um, but this, you're right, this defensive line isn't the same without Jaquan Bailey. Now, uh, another Cyclone football note, this is a little off topic, but um, this week they did pick up a commitment from a three-star uh, defensive end, uh, Juco commit out of Hutchison, um, community college in Hutchison, Kansas, which should be a very big help um, for the defensive line next year as we lose um, Johnson as well as Lima. And luckily, we do get Jaquan Bailey back next season. I think that was a really good uh, red shirt for him. Yeah, that was certainly big from the NCAA to uh, to get that medical red shirt for Bailey so he can come back. That'll be big for next year. Provide good veteran presence. We're going to be going to have some trouble offensive and defensive line next year in the trenches. But yes. with five seniors or four or five seniors on the offensive line, depending on how you look at it. So anyway, that was Kansas. Purple Kansas comes up next. Uh, Farmageddon on Saturday, 6 p.m. in Manhattan, Kansas. Weather could be good and it could be interesting depending on what forecast you look at right now. It's so, all it's and it's Kansas, so literally none of the forecasters can ever predict the weather correctly. So yeah, if it's a bad weather game, uh, I don't know. We're gonna have to rely on Brees Hall to carry the load and just run the run the basket or run the bat. Brees wow. Hall is gonna run the Brees Hall is gonna run the He's basketball run the down, basketball down, down K State's throat. Yes. He will run the football down K-State's throat um, if it's bad weather. And if it's good weather, then I think our wide receivers will pick apart K-State secondary. I like our chances to win this game. K-State hasn't done much since they beat uh, Oklahoma. I don't expect it to change. They're already bowl eligible, I think, so they don't really have a ton to play for. They're probably destined for the Cheez-It Bowl down in Arizona, regardless of what happens this year or this week. So I don't expect KU or K-State to be super motivated, and I've got the Cyclones winning this game. One thing that you did uh, mention on, and I'd, I'd like to point out a stat that I saw in the game, Iowa State has only won one game this year in which they have been out 
gained on the ground. Um, they have won all of their games when they have outgained their opponents on the ground. So K-State is a very run-heavy team, and the, the way they beat the Sooners is by a lot of outside zones um, and running the ball effectively to the perimeter, which opened up a lot of holes in the middle for their tight end and their fullback, who apparently catches a ton of footballs out of the backfield. Um, so the Cyclones will have will have a uh, very tough task seeing as they allowed over 150 rushing yards to Puka Williams trying to stop the K-State rushing attack. They want to keep this game uh, very, very slow, or I guess not slow. They want to keep this game on the ground, um, running the ball all the time. So it'll be interesting to see how the Cyclones can respond on defense. Um, and I'd like and I like Brees Hall's chances of getting yet another 100-yard rushing game trying to um, or aiming for a com- campaign at that second running back position um, for first-team All-Big 12 as a freshman this year. Um, he did, in the game against Kansas, he did set the freshman uh, running back record uh, for rushing touchdowns in a season with eight. I like Brees Hall to get another one and extend that record to nine against K-State as the Cyclones are able to pull one out against the um, the hard-playing uh, K-State Wildcats led by Chris Kleiman in his first year. So I know State does always have trouble against K-State. I mean, last they, what before last year they lost like four or five straight against K-State. Yeah. And last year they almost blew that game. Took an amazing comeback to uh, – to be K-State last year. So it'll be a tough game. I don't think it'll be easy by any means, but I think the Cyclones will win. No, uh, the it other seems like I- no matter what coach they have, Chris Kleinman, uh, Bill Bill Snyder, every single team they put out there competes. And it's mm-hmm. never there's never a question of what K-State team you're going to get. You're going to get a team that doesn't hurt themselves with penalties and they play hard and they play physical. Does that mean they always win a lot of games? No, but it's always going to be a hard-fought game against them. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I want to touch on in Cyclone football is where I think the uh, Cyclones will end up for a ball game. I think there's really three options here. Three three ball games that there's probably an equal, we'll say, 30% chance of going to each of these, and then like a 10% chance of going to a miscellaneous lesser ball game. But I would say the Alamo Bowl, the Camping World Bowl, or the Texas Bowl are probably the three bowl games Iowa State is most likely to go to. Um, there's also a slight chance they could end up in the uh, in the uh, bah, 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 what's it called? The one in Memphis. I forgot its name. The, the Liberty bowl. bowl. Yeah, that one. The Liberty Bowl. Also, there's a chance that they could end up there. So those are the three. The three main bowl games, I think, especially if you beat K-State, then you're looking at one of those three bowl games. But both the Alamo Bowl and the uh, the Camping World Bowl have both – well, the Alamo Bowl has come out and said they definitely wouldn't hesitate to bring Iowa State back because we showed up so well last year at the Alamo Bowl. And the Camping World Bowl says they were incredibly disappointed that they didn't get the chance to select Iowa State last year because the Alamo Bowl picked first. So I wouldn't be surprised if, given a choice between Oklahoma State and Iowa State, either of those bowls would pick 
Iowa State over Oklahoma State. Now, they'd both pick Baylor or Oklahoma over Iowa State if given the option, but if the choices are between Iowa State and Oklahoma State, I have a feeling both of them would pick Iowa State instead. So... I would I would look at San Antonio or Orlando if you're looking to book your plane tickets, but also don't rule out a trip to Houston for the Texas Bowl. So all three yeah. would all three would be good warm weather destinations. So not like Memphis, which is not necessarily warm, and you know just an awful city in general. So if you live in Memphis, don't at me. You know your city's terrible. It isn't great. It's terrible. But- don't cherry coat it. It's terrible. The Cyclones, the Cyclone men's basketball team gets to travel to the Bahamas this week uh, as they um, take on uh, Michigan um, in the uh, first round of the Battle for Atlantis um, Classic uh, in the Bahamas. They did have one game already this past week. It was against Southern Miss. Um, it was the Battle for Atlantis campus game. Uh, so one of the games is played um, at a campus location, so in Hilton. Uh, and the same thing holds true. Uh, Tyrese is still on a tear. Um, he leads the nation in assists per game at 10.3. He is also tied for eighth uh, in steals per game um, at three and a half. So he's continuing to improve his draft stock. Um, one of the latest mock drafts, I think, produced, or put out by CBS has him as a top 15 uh, to top 16 pick. Um, but that's a very, very early and very um, not, I would say, not well-informed. Uh, um, it's it's way too early. It's way too early So much that. can change. But obviously there's a lot of buzz around Tyrese Halliburton to be a first-round draft pick um, this coming year. But for right now, he is trying to help this Cyclones team. They do get the win against Southern Mississippi. Um, overall, a good game uh, for the Cyclones, able to pull uh, pull away late in the game. Um, but with Tyrese in the spotlight right now, one person or one player for this team really flying under the radar uh, has been Solomon Young so far. Um, he is making a very, very good uh, presence down low uh, with Michael Jacobson. He and Michael Jacobson starting uh, for the Cyclones down low in the post, um, or I guess technically on the perimeter since both of them can step out and shoot. Um, But in the game, uh, Solomon Young uh, only played 20 minutes, but he had 14 points as well to go along with six rebounds. He was very efficient from the field, five of eight. Um, and he's one of the players who's actually shooting free throws for this team at a high percentage right now. Um, so it's good to have Solomon Young back because he's such a physical presence down low. And I think he has more of a presence than Michael Jacobson, uh, far more physical than he is down in the post. Um, so it's good to have him back as well as George Condit is playing at a high level in the game against Southern Miss. Uh, he put in 19 minutes. Um, he's trying to make a case to become a starter for this team uh, as they go down the stretch um, and or as they go through the season. Uh, 19 minutes in the game, he had nine points and six rebounds uh, to go along with four blocks. So speaking of George Condit, he's tied for fourth in the nation in blocks per game at four. Um, so just a great, great rim presence that the Cyclones have really been missing uh, since um, Jamil McKay 
and even he didn't do a lot of uh, shot blocking down low for the Cyclones. He did um, a lot of pouting, that's for sure. He did a lot of pouting, and he got teed up a lot for dunking. Um, and, yeah. But able to run the floor uh, for a big man is something that we've been missing, too. Uh, even Solomon Young and Michael Jacobson don't really run the floor well. George Condit runs it uh, much better, and he plays at a very, very high intensity. He did already get teed up once this season for dunking on over two players and staring him down. But I love it. Great tenacity. Hopefully he uh, takes that into the game this week. Um, when the Cyclones do take on Michigan, that game will be on ESPN on Wednesday the 27th at 12 o'clock Eastern. Uh, from Wait, it's at noon? 12, yeah, noon Eastern. Well, so noon Eastern. Well, some of us have to do things like work on Wednesday. What am I supposed to do? Watch the game at work? Yes. Don't okay. tell me that you don't watch games at work. You haven't watched games at work before. I know you do. You sent me Snapchats. So. Seeing as my boss might be listening, no comment. so that game occurs uh espn does give the cyclones a what percentage chance to win mike 66 66 66 percent chance to beat the uh michigan wolverines after that uh they will play the following day uh depending on if it's a win or a loss they will either play north carolina or alabama depending on that outcome if they win they will obviously be playing north carolina most likely yes. uh north carolina is the better team y- yes uh this this field though is absolutely stacked between iowa state michigan uh north carolina alabama gonzaga southern mississippi seton hall and oregon out of those uh, teams, um, North Carolina is ranked fifth in the AP poll, Gonzaga eighth, Oregon 11th, Seton Hall 13th, and Michigan is ranked. In the uh, others receiving they're votes. Receiving, they're one of the teams receiving votes since they are still undefeated on the season. 34th-ish, uh, give yeah. or take. Yeah. So this, this is a very, very stacked field. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, I like the Cyclones to win one game uh, and get decimated by North Carolina in Game Two and go into the uh, third or the third, third and fourth game. place bracket. Yep. Yeah, it should be it should be a fun turn. This is a really big tournament for uh, hopefully the team being able to pick up some good wins that will maybe separate them from some bubble teams near the end of the season when it comes to NCAA tournament selection time. I think it's important that they pick up a couple wins against other teams that might end up as bubble teams like the Alabamas and um, Michigans of the world. Be good to pick up some wins against them. Agreed. Yeah. Speaking of wins, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of NFL teams right now jockeying for position, um, trying to make a push uh, for the playoffs for. Uh, the NFL playoffs that are coming up sooner rather than later, obviously. Um, and the first game that I'd like to touch on, uh, we didn't actually get to talk about this last week since we recorded on Sunday and the Chiefs and the Chargers squared off in Mexico City uh, in a stadium that is at a higher elevation than Mile High Stadium in Denver. Uh, it was a very back and forth game. 
against the Chiefs versus the Chargers, and I greatly expected that game to come down to a uh, game-winning two-point conversion attempt by the Chargers that they would get, and it gave me very, very horrid flashbacks to what happened last year when the Chiefs matched up against the Chargers at Arrowhead. But it didn't because Phillip Rivers decided that he wanted to throw four interceptions, and Phillip Rivers is starting to look like a shell of his former self. Um, he has thrown, I, get, I think he only threw three interceptions in the game, actually, uh, but he, that brings his total up to six for the past two games. He's not looking the same as he has uh, in recent seasons, and the Chargers are uh, below 500 because of that. Um, so a good division win for the Chiefs to put them ahead. As um, they 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 needed that because Oakland they needed that. Oakland was starting Oakland to Raiders, knock on the yes. Oakland yeah, was starting Oakland to knock Raiders on the are, are nipping at their heels. But the Chief, a lot of the Chiefs fans uh, can thank the New York Jets today because not only did did the New York Jets win against Oakland, they blew them out. That they game was not close. They obliterated them. Oakland only had three points. Derek Carr was benched in the fourth quarter, uh, mainly probably just to save him from being injured, but he was absolutely horrible. The Jets got another defensive touchdown on the season, um, and they had nothing going on it, offense. And Sam Darnold against the Raiders' defense looked good. A Raiders' defense that made Phillip Rivers look atrocious the week before on Thursday night football. Uh, so just a very, very interesting outcome in that game this I week. D- I don't know how you come out that flat if you're the Raiders. Like, seriously, if you win that game, you win that game against a bad Jets team, you're tied for first place in that division. Granted, the Chiefs have the tiebreaker right now because they have the they have the they're, win. They're the only well, they've beat they beat the Raiders once already, and they are yes. the only undefeated team in the division. Right. So the Chiefs would have the undefeated team in division wins. Yes. Yes. How do you come out that flat against a bad team when you can tie for first place in your division and end up at seven and four in the division? Seriously, you should, you got to come out better than that. I have no idea, honestly. Um, that's, that's a lot of people are going to say, a lot of people are going to say, well, it's a West coast team that played a, super early morning game in like on their body time. Um, But it's a one o'clock Eastern game. You're fighting, you're fighting for the opportunity to potentially have, have a home field wild card game in the AFC playoffs rather than having to go to most likely Houston. Yeah. So it was just a bad, bad showing for an Oakland Raiders team. Um, and I just touched on the Houston Texans. Uh, they, they, the Houston Texans had a big Thursday night win against the Indianapolis Colts in their division, and they now retake uh, the lead in the AFC South and probably have the best chance of winning that division right now as the Indianapolis Colts did lose Marlon Mack um, for quite some time. Another uh, very, very close game in the NFL this week was a uh, was the game against the New Orleans Saint, New Orleans Saints, and the Carolina Panthers? Uh, New Orleans took a very, very early fourteen to nothing lead. Uh, looked like they were going to put this game out of reach. They went up uh, 
17 to three, I believe. But then Carolina over a stretch scored 13 unanswered points. Uh, they ended up tying the game after a Drew Brees interception, um, 31 all, and then had a good defensive stop. Their offense took them all the way down the field. Um, and they had a chance to kick a uh, go-ahead field goal uh, to go up by three, 34 to 31. It was a chip shot field goal, I think, from like 27 yards. And he pushed it wide right. And the Saints take over, march all the way down the field, thanks to Michael Thomas uh, and Drew Brees, and hit the game-winning field goal uh, by Will Lutz. Um, So the New Orleans Saints go on to win. They are now uh, 9-2 on the season. Um, And right now uh, in the the NFC uh, playoff push, they are uh, the second-place team. only ahead by a half game over Green Bay uh, as Green Bay and San Francisco square off tonight in Sunday night football. I say tonight, Sunday night football this week. So that is a huge game to decide playoff position uh, Mm -hmm. going forward for the very, very difficult and tough NFC. That game basically decides who gets – that's basically – could be an elimination game for a first-round bye. Right, Green Bay wins that game. They'll have the tiebreaker over San Francisco when it comes to a first-round bye. San Francisco wins that. They get the tiebreaker over Green Bay. Right, and if you want a first-round bye in that NFC and, playoffs, you got to win. Not that to game. mention New Orleans and uh, the 49ers play in two weeks as well. And the 49ers and Seahawks still play in Week 17 to sort out that division. And don't forget that the Packers have the Vikings nipping on their heels, just a half game behind. So. If they lose, not only are they in trouble for a first-round bye, they put that NFC North squarely in a toss-up with the Packers still having to come to Minneapolis in Week 16. So The, the NFC is by far the best division in football this year. Well, so that's the interesting question. Is the NFC really, really good, or is the is the top of the NFC just that good, or is the bottom of the NFC just so bad that – those top teams are just eating up on bottom feeders. Wow. Right? Like, the top teams are eating up on the bottom feeders. You the have Giants the, are the New York awful. Giants, the Redskins, the Redskins. are awful. Cardinals, Lions, awful. Atlanta's awful. Tampa Bay's not good. Right? So, I don't know. It's an interesting debate. It's a debate we don't necessarily have time to have now. But something to, something to think about, and maybe we can talk about next week. Is the top Who of the NFL next that week? good? Or... Um, are they going to, uh, or are they really just, you know, feeding on bottom teams? We'll see. But one thing we definitely do want to cover is we have another addition to our list of things football players shouldn't do um, that came up this last week. Um, this one came up out of the Miami Dolphins camp. Um, adding to your list of things football players shouldn't do. I would and just this- like to say he is already on our list once. Is he? Where'd yeah, he go? from when he was in Cincinnati. Oh, is it the same guy? Yep. Same guy. Mark Walton. Same guy. This is the guy who, if you remember our list from last week, pulled tasers off himself and then ran away from the police. Um, yep. Now got cut after repeatedly punching his pregnant girlfriend, which is sort of covered by the don't beat your family members, which is already on our list. But this one was bad enough. You know, we figured we had to add it to 
our actual list. So adding to the list of things football players shouldn't do is don't repeatedly punch your pregnant girlfriend. Should we? I'm gonna say just. Add, should we add what uh, John Gruden said to an official today of what he mm. learned he can't say to uh, mm. an NFL referee and not get a 15-year penalty? I don't think that goes on the list of things. You can talk about it, but I wouldn't put it on the list personally. Well, I'm not going to say exactly what he said. <laughs> you, can, you can go and look it up. Uh, but John Gruden today did find out what is what is and what isn't acceptable to say to an NFL referee. Um and he did say the thing that got him a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty. So if you if you see what he said, just 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 you probably shouldn't say that out loud to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Just that is, just that don't, is all. Don't do that. Don't. If it's not repeatable on air on this podcast, you shouldn't say it to anybody else. True that. This is a family-friendly podcast. Very family-friendly podcast. Um, do you want to go through the entire list, Wyatt, or should we move on? That's up to you. That uh, let's, is your thing. So I let's, let's just do – I, I want to do, like, the la- latest five. Just All right, let's go for Let's go for We have 29 things on our list, things football players shouldn't do, and we're going to go through things 24 through 29 real quick just to kind of give you a taste of what the list is all about. So we have, don't post a potentially illegal video of your phone call with your head coach. Don't get your $30 million contract voided. Don't charge someone without your helmet on. Don't use a weapon on the football field. Don't use someone's head as a soccer ball on the football field. And don't repeatedly punch your pregnant girlfriend. That gives you a quick taste of what I think football players shouldn't do. List is all about. So if you're a football player, definitely look at this list because that's also on the list. Where if you're a football player, you should definitely listen to this list. So said less way too many times. Let's move on. Yes, we will move on now to our signature segments. Are you supposed to do this introduction or am I? We sometimes switch back and forth. Do you want to do it, Wyatt, or am I going to do it? You're going to do it. All right, I'm going to do it. We're going to move on to my favorite segment of the podcast, Mike's Stupid Rules, and we are going to talk about a rule that I actually only learned yesterday. I learned a new rule yesterday, and I am just super excited to share it with all of you. This is a rule that came up late in, uh, in, the, for- in the fourth quarter of Iowa State KU, um, right before the play before Brock Purdy ran for the uh, go-ahead touchdown for the Cyclones, um, Oklahoma was called for defensive holding um, uh, on a on a play where Brock Purdy ended up running for about no gain, and so it was it could inside the ten yard line. It's normally a five yard penalty. It could inside the ten yard line, so half the distance to the goal. But uh, the ruling on the field was repeat second down which I was very upset about at the time because I was always under the impression that defensive holding is a uh, automatic first down, regardless of what happens. But in the NCAA rules, according to NCAA rules, if, um, the ball, if a pass is not thrown and defensive holding is called, it is a five-yard penalty, but it is not an automatic first down. Where if the ball is thrown, it is an automatic first down. So, for example, if there's defensive holding on a sack, it's a five-yard penalty, repeat whatever down, not an automatic first down. But if the ball is thrown, it is an automatic first down. That is your rule. Defensive holding is only an automatic first down if a pass is thrown. Otherwise, it's just a five-yard penalty, 
we peach the down or we peach whatever down is just thrown. So or it's just play. That is interesting. I also did not know that, but it didn't really matter because it was second down anyway, and that mm-hmm. next play we scored. So. Right, and then Brock Purdy ran in for touchdown. But I mean, it could have mattered, right? It, yeah, it definitely could, could have. have because you know it would have been an extra play, and extra plays are always helpful. So very much could have mattered. For sure, good to know. I'm glad we now are aware of that rule because I know I certainly was not prior to watching that game. But uh, let's keep on going and go with our write that down prediction segment. You can keep talking, Mike, if you want and hold us accountable. I think we have something to pull off the board today, which just, is just mine. I think just one, yeah, just one Dang. prediction from Wyatt. Wyatt predicted that ISU would have no more than five penalties uh, in any remaining game this year. They actually had six penalties against KU. Six is greater than five, so for that, Wyatt gets a nah. And I'm upset about that. The center judge and that officiating crew needs to learn what holding is. Because that last, there was three holding calls on one of the drives. And that last one, that the last holding call, the third one, was not, not holding whatsoever. That was happening right at the end zone that I was standing on. I was watching the same side of the line the center judge was looking at. There was no holding there, and I'm upset about it. It cost me a prediction. You so probably need to get his stuff together. Anyway, because, you know, maybe we'll false start eight times in a bowl game like we did last year. So, <laughs> who knows? You Good probably would have lost that prediction anyway. Good times. But, uh, Let's go and put some new stuff up on the board then. Well, hold on. You're jumping okay. ahead of yourself All right. here. All right. We're about, halfway through, we're about halfway through the season. So I oh, figured it was time for a write that down standings update. So first, we will go with the batting average crown. In fourth place for the batting average title currently is Wyatt. He is in fourth place with a batting average of 235 on the year. Fourth place in batting average is Wyatt, hit batting 235. In third place is Kyle, who's batting 368 on the year. Uh, Kyle, 368. So, wow, you're more than 100 points behind in the batting title race. You I'm doing some, very bad. You got, you got some work to do there. Um, in third pla- uh, second place, Batting average is Josh hitting 375, which puts me leading the batting title ice. I am batting 409. So I've got a nice little 25, 30 point buffer um, over Josh in the batting title race, batting 409. So I am off to a good start. Hopefully that will continue as the season goes on. The slugging percentage race is slightly different. Um, it still has Wyatt in last place, slugging 529. Uh, and it still has Kyle in third place, slugging 789. But I am actually in second place in the slugging percentage race, slugging 954. And Josh is leading the slugging percentage race, slugging an even 1,000. Josh actually has no singles that have been correct on the year. In fact, he's only predicted three singles overall on the year. So that's the way you are not leading in batting average, but leading in slugging percentage is you just always go for extra base hits, which is definitely the theory that Josh has gone under. So there is your write that down standings update so far for the year. So keep it up. Maybe Wyatt can climb back in it. He's got some predictions that might, uh, might come off the board as successful down the stretch. So we will have to see. If Wyatt, if Wyatt can come back or not, we will see. 
I feel like Texas, where last year I was doing really, really well, and now this year I'm doing quite poorly. So that's always fun. Yeah, you that that kind of accurately describes it, I would think. So yeah. So let's put We're some more stuff up on the board. Back. No, 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 no. See, I, I had to get one slam in on Texas because horns down. Because they're just mediocre. That is fair. So let's go ahead and put some uh, some new predictions up on the board, starting with Kyle. Go. That's me. All right. So Brees Hall will be a first-team All-Big 12 running back at the end of the season when they announce conference awards. Yeah. I think that's a home run. Well, are there one or two? Um, there are there are two slots for first-team for two running backs. Two slots? Back. Okay. I believe. I believe. Hold on. Let me. So if there's two, yeah, you double check before you do that. Yeah, you double check. Because that that, that, that changes what I was gonna say. Yeah. Too bad there isn't like another generic waiting sound besides the Jeopardy music because getting licensing to play the Jeopardy music on here would be super expensive, I would think. So if somebody needs to come out with a royalty-free music that everybody can just know that it's waiting music that we can play over the top of this instead of me talking and wasting more time. So for uh, first team, uh, there are two running backs oh, selected. there are two. Well, Chuba Hubbard is definitely going to get one of them. Yes. So that's, that's why I said it was a home run when I thought there was only one because he's going to get one of them. But there's two. Who's the second best? I mean, Jalen Hurts is the second best running back in the Big but, 12, <laughs> but he's going to be the first team all Big 12 quarterback. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know who else there would be. I don't. I can't think of any other big names. There's, that would be a spot. I mean, Puka, Puka Williams. You could get Puka Williams in there, as <laughs> well as um, the running back for. I think. Baylor could potentially get it, but yeah, mm. so it's kind of a toss-up, is what I'm kind of. Yeah, I'm, oh. I'm between a double and a triple for that with two. You have two spots. What do you think, Wyatt? How many times have we shafted Kyle and he's write that down predictions? A lot. Um, officially on the spreadsheet, there is only one formal complaint about his <laughs> his score. There's only let one. Me, official let me go back complaint. and. See so, all the ones which there's I'm only one formal complaint. I'll give him a double, but I feel like we have shafted Kyle quite often on here, which makes me kind of want to go for a triple just to be a nice guy. I'm in a good mood today, I guess. I'll go with the triple. That's all fine. Right. I guess Kyle gets a triple for this song. Yeah, it nullifies your complaint on that spreadsheet, and you're welcome. Yeah, thanks. So we'll go ahead and uh, go to Mike. You can get and you can you can have the ability to put up something on the board, I guess. Thank Don't you. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so glad our overlord Wyatt Tito has given me permission to put a prediction on the board. Oh, I'm going to say that next week, Gophers beat the Badgers at home, keep Paul Bunyan's axe, go to the Big Ten Championship game. Go Gophers. I hate the Badgers. Go Gophers. Go Gophers. Go Gophers. I hate the Badgers. What's the... What's the ESPN say about that matchup? ESPN says you can start your uh, you can start your fourteen. Oh, ESPN clock. has a sixty point eight percent chance, I believe. For Wisconsin. For yes. Wisconsin. Wisconsin oh, for has Wisconsin? a sixty one percent chance to win that game, according to ESPN's football power index. ESPN's football power index hates Minnesota. Fun fact. Makes sound like an Iowa it, State fan. It, it still <laughs> it still ranks Minnesota number seventeen in the nation in football power index. Despite being ten and one, 
when Big I look at this says team, I State view it as Minnesota equal teams. That's what football <laughs> power index says. When I when I look at this game, I view it as a literal coin flip, most likely. So I'm going to give you a double. All right, I'll take a double for that. That seems fair. Yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, double. I have nothing else to add. Double. All right, Wyatt, what do you got? I'm going to say that Cyclone basketball will make it two and no further than the round of 32 in the NCAA March Madness basketball tournament. He's he's learning. He's specifying. I did. I specified everything. Very specific. So? Oh, that means that we have to get a really good first-round matchup. Yep. There is no, uh, there, there's no way to calculate a percentage for that. So No, that was the point. Ugh. <laughs> making you think. I view, uh, us, I view it as us as either an eight or a nine seed this I early think, in the season. I'm thinking this is either a triple or a home run. It has to be. I would say triple, it's, mainly it's so because so far it, down the road. There's so it's so many far down the road. But if you're if if you view this team as an eight or a nine seed, when you predict that game, it's generally fifty-one percent for like to forty-nine percent. Whoever right, but the odds that we're an eight or a nine seed at this point aren't good. I mean, just because there's so much basketball left to be played. I I'm leaning towards home run. All right, can you sway me off my triple then? Well, think about it. I what we're in game five of the basketball season, right? There's just no way you can write injuries. You can't predict injuries. This team isn't necessarily supposed to be great. I mean, you've got to give them – there's just so many unknowns in making a prediction this far out. I think you've got to give them a home run. All right. Give them a home run. I'm feel, I'm feeling in the generous mood. I, I, I was going to say, you better do me a solid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have anything from Josh this week? We do. Josh's prediction is another very bold one. Josh, uh, after two weeks ago predicting that the Packers would lose – Three out of four games. Uh, now predicts that the Packers will win out. So they play what? Who, who so do they even play? The their next remaining games Niners. are the remaining games of the 49ers this week. The, yeah. At the New York Giants in week 13. Easy win. Home against the uh, Redskins in, be a win. In, in week 14. In week 15, they're at home against the Bears. In, <laughs> no comment. In week 16, they're at Minnesota. And in week 17, they are at Detroit. So basically he's saying that the Bears will stay bad and they'll win against the Vikings. So I mean, and right. it beats 538 gives the, Bear, or gives the Packers a 4.6% chance to win out. So this is, tonight is most likely their toughest game remaining on their schedule. Either that yeah. or at Minnesota, yeah. I would say at Minnesota's the toughest one. I would actually venture to say that tonight is the toughest, toughest uh, game. According to 538 at Minnesota, is a harder game. It gives them a 40% chance to win at San Francisco and a 36% chance to win at Minnesota. So, But anyway, home yes. Run. I was also thinking home yeah. run. That, yes. I mean, yeah, irregardless. That's, that's a, with a 4.5% chance, that's most certain. Because they run. could technically even lose in Week 17 to Detroit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Detroit almost. Detroit, them at Detroit home. is a very up and down right. team, and Detroit, by that time they might have Matt Stafford back. Yeah, hey. Detroit almost beat him in Green Bay. Should have beat him in Green Bay if the refs would have screwed up. You're right, but 
Anyway, a lot can happen. A lot of football left to be played. A lot of football left to be lots played. Of, and a lot more. Lots oh. of extra base predictions tonight. Yeah, a yeah. triple, a double, and two home runs. No singles for us. We're going for it, man. We are going for it. Scoring position. That's that's what's up. Speaking of what else is what's up is that we have all four of our Write That Down predictions on the board, which means that we are at the end of the Write That Down prediction segment, which in turn means that we are at the end of this episode. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to episode 57 of the 8311cast. We certainly appreciate you hanging out with us. Make sure you check it out. Check us out on Instagram at 8311cast and drop us a line on our contact page at 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact. Starting off through 311cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We will talk to you next week on episode 58 of the 8311cast. But until then, go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Beat Purple Kansas.